in terms of Soylent 2.0, mm-hmm. I just didn't think uh, the bottles would work out well for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because of how we use it. That said, if you have a bottle in the fridge, you're guaranteed to have enough for one meal in that fridge. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Someone in the household <laughs> takes outrageous amounts of Soylent. <laughs> and then there's not enough for a full meal left in the pitcher. Just right. one outrageous meal. yeah i keep three in the fridge at home like i keep three at home all in the fridge and i keep two at work in the fridge at all times yeah hold on before i start i'm gonna go get one because i haven't actually had breakfast yet so now i have a plate of cookies that someone made last night Ooh, that's kind of like soylent (laughs) solid soylent there are four cookies and not even half the amount of Soylent I would usually have. That's a balanced breakfast, right? Yeah. I'm an adult. Can you, can you dip the cookies in the Soylent and report how it tastes? Or is the neck of the drinking thing not big enough? If I do this, I want it in the show, Rob. I'll put it in the show. This whole little conversation here. Okay. <laughs> We're in uncharted territory here, boys. <laughs> Mike, we're doing a real live experiment. So I've just completed phase one of the experiment in which I dipped a cookie into the Soylent. Mm-hmm. But I've discovered that that doesn't work particularly well. So I'm going for I'm going for the second dip. I don't know if you can see here with the cookie. No, so there's more texture here. There's a yeah. lot of texture there. The outside is fairly sealed. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to dip with some more like pockets that might catch the soil. Yeah. You got to go for the nucleation sites. Okay. <laughs> so it's not good. <laughs> well, it's not good, but it's not bad either. Like the soylent is so bland that it easily melds in with whatever the cookie tastes like. Right. But that said, when you bite a wet cookie, you expect, <laughs> you expect. it to have some yeah. extra flavor like milk or coffee or whatever. Yeah. And it just tastes like a wet cookie. <laughs> Interesting. But it is a more balanced breakfast than just having cookies, I guess. Yeah. Well, when you only have half of your normal amount of Soylent, you got to you got to supplement it with something and Right. And when you're running five minutes to the show and you don't have anything else oh absolutely yeah i completely agree mm-hmm. have any of us tried baking with soylent yet no i don't no. really bake at all so have you i feel no but talking about a cookie it reminds me of i've seen recipes for soylent cookies huh. or at least at least protein powder cookies i'm assuming you can adapt soylent to those same recipes I, i'm curious about that because it would give you the experience of food yeah not needing maybe if there's some kind of no bake cookies that you could not potentially ruin any of this stuff that's in it i don't know as far as like the minerals and yeah whatnot. not that a lot of them would not be yeah. impervious to that but it's not like you're grilling or frying it on like a 600 degree fahrenheit right. surface i think most of the stuff would be preserved at 350 yeah i would think so anyways 
Hello, this is episode welcome to the show. <laughs> and after that live experiment, Nick, do, does this mystery piece of follow up you have fit at the beginning of follow up, or should it be in the middle or at the end? Oh, let's go. Let's go straight in the beginning. Okay. So I went to the Calgary Zoo yesterday to was it? It was like a group interview for new volunteers. And I had two people ask me about the podcast. So if you're listening, welcome. So they recognized you from the show and I was going to say are listening. <laughs> no, I mentioned that there was a show because <laughs> one of the questions was what brings you to the Calgary Zoo. Right. And so, as you well know, biodiversity is one of my favorite topics on Future Chat. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, you know, this is one thing I really like reading and discussing. And I found out the Calgary Zoo does a lot of biodiversity work. And so here I am. So what would you be volunteering doing? Like, is Oh, just like whatever. Okay. Quite likely it would just be talking to guests. Okay. So no training of tigers or anything? No, not so much. My, right. I think my long goal would be to work in the gardens and the greenhouses, but... Right. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. But, but yeah, so, so one Nick, lady... Sorry? By, by talking to people, you mean like the zoo equivalent of a Walmart reader? No, because <laughs> you wander around the whole of the zoo. Okay, so there are various than your there are various typical. places that you can be within the zoo. Anywho, one lady I believe her name was Lydia. She studies bats. has a She has a PhD, and I believe she studied some manner of sandy-colored bat. Mm -hmm. So, if you're listening, pleasure to have you aboard. There's one other person whose name I cannot remember, but she <laughs> walked up and said, "I must have the name of your podcast." I went, "Well." Step one, drastically lower your expectations. And then I told her. And so if you too have joined us, welcome. And tell us your name. <laughs> Not quite as welcome as Lydia, but no, welcome the, in any case. The guy with the glasses is Mike. He really likes cell phones and cell phone related news stories. I like science. I'm too. really curious to see what it's I get now. The blonde guy with the blue eyes is Rob. He takes dictionary definitions very loosely, <laughs> and I am a delight. Also, if we're being honest, a bit of a loose cannon on the show. Mm -hmm. I, I would say I'm a, what is it, descriptivist and not a prescriptivist when it comes to language. I take words how they are. I don't try to force them into pigeonholes. If the meaning of a word changes, I'm relatively, other than the word literally, I'm relatively okay with things changing. <laughs> anyway, anyway. I, I don't know we've we've had some discussions on this on the show if yeah. you'd like to check out our back episodes please do there's so many if there are any linguists who listen to the show they will be <laughs> overjoyed that i described descriptivism versus prescriptivism when it comes to language but you guys obviously have not made that connection is it anything like connotative and annotative definitions because otherwise i'm just lost it's more like quantitative and qualitative there are two very different ways to look at something, and there are people on either side that think one is better than the other. Although, so, who would argue that qualitative is better than quantitative? I don't know, but... So, so take us through it, Rob. What, what do these words mean? 
Well, prescriptivism is like prescribing something. So there are some, I think there are some dictionaries that prescribe usage of words and like the word literally, they would say there is no other use of the word literally other than to mean this actually is ha- like it's happening right now or is absolutely going to happen or did happen. Like there's no, there's no exaggeration possible. And there are other. I literally that- just dunked a cookie in Soylent. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then, but there are other dictionaries. I think it's Oxford or Merriam-Webster. One of the, one of the major dictionaries is very descriptive and they're the ones that are constantly adding new words and changing meanings of words. Like they, they actually literally change the meaning of the word literally in the dictionary to possibly mean figuratively or in with possible exaggeration. Like they, they actually included that new definition because they're descriptivists. They describe language as it is not, they don't try to hold it back to, to some ideal time. Hmm. And there's a big, there's a big discussion about whether you're one or the other. And there's, yeah, online debates and probably IRL debates. So Raul, which one are you? I am, other than the words literally, I am a descriptivist where I don't try to prescribe. Yeah. I try to use words as I think they are most, they fit most, not necessarily, I don't necessarily need to adhere to a dictionary definition of a word. I go with like the feeling of a word, man. You can't like define a word man <laughs> exactly am, am i misremembering our conversation about the phrase have to to have yeah. to do something mm-hmm. and you were adamant that the only time you should ever use that phrase is when you literally have to do something you have no other choice yeah and and your stance was well you don't have to yeah, so if, if and, we want to get so in, this is the exact opposite of prescriptivism. If we want to get into nuances here. This is not nuance. This is No, 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 because there is a nuance there. The the nuance is there are certain situations where the use of the word have or the phrase have to can cause major communication hiccups, which has happened to me in the past with if that you phrase. If you choose to. Yeah, but no one's I gonna do, No. I do I choose to often. What happened with the phrase have to? No, it's just when whenever people say, "Oh, we have to do this today," it's like, oh, it's like no, I you want to do this." It's yeah. like I have to go right now. It's like you don't have to; you could stay if you want. Yeah, it's like you know what I mean. Like you don't. Ha- <laughs> I just want people to be accurate. Yeah, Rob's gonna go full British one day and just be like, "I, I must go. I simply must." <laughs> <laughs> I should be going now. No, I just say I'm gonna go now. <laughs> I'm going to leave. I don't, I don't want an excuse. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I would agree with you that there is some prescriptivism in that, but I think that what I'm trying to get is people have to have people use accurate language to describe their situation and not say, not come up like it forces it, it gets the responsibility of a thing off of the person and onto some, some nebulous excuse or reason that doesn't need to be mentioned. It's like, oh, I have to, I have to go now. Or it, it, it just. I was going to make me. a joke about your name and Rob Robot. Yeah. And then after you saying precision of language, I don't know if you guys have read or seen The Giver, but those no. those people I are. I read it a long time ago. Those people are as close to robots as you can get, as well still being people. And there, there's a line in there about using precision of language in that similar circumstance where we're saying, Oh, I, I have to go and they say precision of language. Yeah. And then they get scolded for not being precise. That's, that so, sounds great. I, I also really strive for precision of language. And when I misspeak, I feel like 
I get really aggravated with myself. Yeah. I've learned that you have to, you simply must move on or <laughs> you won't, like, you won't get anything else done in your entire life ever. Yeah. And so whenever I have to resort to it, well, you know what I mean? I get really like internally yeah. anyway, it's like, damn it. <laughs> shouldn't have had to say that. Yeah. But we, we seem to go about it in entirely different ways. Yeah. No, I, I find myself often saying, I'll, I'll say a, a sentence and someone will go, wait, what do you, what, do you mean it this way? And I was like, no, I chose my words very carefully. I, I said exactly what I meant to say <laughs> and it causes endless frustration, but oh well. I, I remember ever. the last time I really had an issue with that. I said a deer ran into a car. Someone's <laughs> like, a car hit a deer? And I said, nope. The car was driving along, minding its own business, and a deer jumped straight into the side of the car. Yeah. Some would argue there's some of both there, because they both drove, they both went to a mutual spot, but I get what you're saying about the difference as... Well, I mean, if we're going for physical frames of reference from the deer's point of view, yes, the car did strike the deer, (laughs) but I mean... There was some tangential momentum to both. It's it's like, I, I saw a tweet... But they were normal to each other. Yeah. There's tangential momentum, and they collided. Yeah, there's friction. Otherwise, the car would just slid right off the deer. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> so anyway, I saw a tweet the other day about Trump saying that so-and-so was coming to meet him, and he said, I, I didn't ask him to be VP, uh-huh. or, or he wasn't asked by me to be VP. Right. And then the person, I think it was farhad manju was like oh that's a very carefully worded tweet (laughs) and turns out that his son was the one who asked him to be vp this is mike pence the actual vp we're talking about i i I don't remember who who was candidate you can still be a candidate yeah so i I feel like it was like john john Kasich. yeah Kasich. so it turns out it was trump's son that asked him yeah to be vp i remember reading that right so it's like and it's that kind of language where it's almost deceptive to be that precise. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, sure, you didn't ask him, but you did. Like, it's... Yeah. Well, he's been, like he's been like that on every single issue that <laughs> could possibly be brought up. Uh, I did not expect this at the beginning. Thank you for that, uh, that follow-up topic. <laughs> Nick, do you want to tell us what's, uh, what's going on with Ubuntu this week? What's going wrong? What's going right? So I have exciting news. I've updated to 16.04. I chose to do so at a bad time. Mm -hmm. A bad time. uh, Yeah. (laughs) It, 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 the installation extended much past bedtime. Yeah. Um, so my network manager applet is working. Oh, wow. It's the first time I've had it on this machine and the applet has worked properly. I see the little Wi-Fi symbol in the top right. And I also didn't have to start Redshift when I turned the machine on today. It started itself. Yeah. Redshift being like F.Lux, but I couldn't get yeah. F.Lux to work. Right. Um, however, I still can't log in regularly. <laughs> that's not good nope nope i have to uh i have to i simply must (laughs) choose the i think it's the 0.0.41 
kernel or something, right. whatever that option is. It's the uh, it's the one before the current one that will actually allow me to log in. Right. And fingers crossed, maybe now that it's 16.04, there's an easier fix to it that yeah, I will hopefully. be able to find. And, and then my computer will work exactly as I want it to. Sure. I want to believe that. Me too. <laughs> I'm sure there's some program that you really wish you had that you just can't get. Uh, I don't know. Not really. I mean, the only thing would be an interface for the Zune. And I feel like we're far enough past that we're I can, well I can let that go past. now. <laughs> Even the iPod is dead now. <laughs> like, and oh, the Zune killed it. <laughs> Yep. That was that was the death blow right there. You know, <laughs> it's like uh it's like in Kill Bill where they have that punch where you can walk five steps and then your heart explodes. That's what the Zoom did to the iPod. Of course. <laughs> Cuz <'Cause, laughs> Microsoft made it and people were like, "Wow. These things can be tremendously uncool." <laughs> and then they kept on with their iPhone or their iPods and it just eventually they went, they took five steps and went, no, no, I just well, can't yeah. anymore. Arguably, they put themselves out of business with the iPod because they just came up with the iPhone. Well, yeah, exactly. Had the iPod in it. So yeah. just mm. use the iPod anymore. <laughs> so before we move on to the real, the only arguably real follow up we have, uh, I wanted to check in quickly and just see what are you guys still playing Pokemon? What level are you at? If so, and how is your strategy going? Mike, I especially want to hear how your strategy is going, knowing okay. where Nick and I are at. Okay. Do you want me to start then? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I'm at level 14. I'm three quarters of the way, four fifths of the way to 15. Mm -hmm. And uh, my strategy so far has been save up my evolutions <laughs> for an all at once lucky egg run. To double my XP as I do it. Mm -hmm. now, uh, that, that's, that's a fairly common and regularly suggested uh, method of gaining mm -hmm. XP. It's Mike, doing evolutions. Mike, could I describe your level as, as 14 going on 23? <laughs> so this is where I'm going with this. So there's been a lot of articles circulating lately, and I've noticed it myself, that as you get higher in levels, it's harder to catch Pokemon. Not not necessarily because they're at higher CPs, but even the lower CP ones are breaking out of balls a lot more or running away and whatnot. And I feel this is more than just confirmation bias because I'll I'll throw like a single Pokeball, no berry or anything at you know a low level Pidgey, and it'll just bust out and run away. And like it's happening a oh. lot more so regularly. Uh, Can I share I, an anecdote? Sure. Okay, this is totally here, well, here, Just let me finish first. I'll, okay, I'll, sure, finish, I'll let you finish my strategy. So it, it was on the it was on that specific topic. Okay, of so people escaping or things escaping. Okay, fine. people you escaping. Say what you're. <laughs> I've discovered a ball that can catch humans. I found that when I was leading, when I was coming up to a level up in the last, like between say thirteen and eighteen or nineteen, I found that as I was approaching the level up. It, that was happening that it was harder and harder yeah. but then as soon as i crossed the threshold into a new level it was easy again mm. so think about that that was that was my anecdotal That's experience weird. okay yeah. that 
is interesting, actually. But anyways, so go on. My original strategy was to save up enough Pokemon, uh, Pidgeys for in this case, to evolve to get me to, you know, max out my lucky egg time. So my half hour. And people have been kind of giving a number between 40 and 60 as as kind of the maximum that you can fit into a single lucky egg period. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm around 40 something right now for being having evolution saved up. But now I'm starting to think that I almost want to just normally get my way to like 20 or something and then do all my evolutions oh to my kind of God. get me <laughs> over that last oh hump. Oh my God. When it's harder to catch Pokemon because <laughs> it's I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to rush to 20 and then suddenly not be able to catch Pokemon. As someone who is at 20 right now, it's been, it's been easier to catch than it was before 20. Is it though? I, I will share an anecdote here. Um, so with the notable exceptions of a level 600 Hitmonchan and a Graveler that would have allowed me to evolve my hatched Geodude, um, I've been surprised at what I can catch with the worst balls. Yeah. Um, like that I've started seeing Pokemon where I go, I mean, I have these Pokeballs and I don't really need them. So if I want something, I'll go great ball. Or if I really want something, I will go ultra ball. But if it's a drowsy or a Zubat or something like that, unless I need one more for an evolution and I really want to get it done, I'll just go, well, if I can't catch you with the regular Pokeball, then you can go. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And I've been shocked at like the level 500 drowsies and stuff like that. that you just you throw a curveball and it catches them the first time. And you go, huh, yeah. is this because the pressure's off or because the app is toying with me? <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with that. Drowsies Especially are, with drowsies. Yeah, I can catch like a 300 plus drowsy with the Pokeball, no barrier or anything. Mm-hmm. Like... But you have like, you know, 100 level Pidgeys that bust out and run away like yeah. three times. So agreed. Or the one Bulbasaur I've ever seen in the wild. <laughs> Just berry, great ball, berry, great ball. And then it runs away because. Ah! Yep. So, yeah, that that's fine. Did Was there anything else to your strategy that you wanted to like Nick and I both think your strategy is crazy and now you're telling us you're extending it beyond level 20 well i don't know i i'm considering it i'm i'm my original plan is to get to 15 and then do Mm -hmm. it but i still i'm still not at the 60 evolution point so i i think i feel like once i hit 60 then i'll i'll do it but i'm not yeah at 15 you get another egg yeah like I'm, i'm not in a rush but I, like I'm trying to make use of the time I have while I'm so lower level to catch these more common Pokemon to build up my candies. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't before worry. It gets but, harder. But do what you want. At, at least it's not. At least it's not cheating like some people's strategies. But that's all right. Nick, neither here nor there. Do you want? Do you want me to go right yeah, in? Yeah, go ahead. At that point. <laughs> so PokeVision, which I think uses the Ingress API, actually. Apparently, it's not an API. It's like a hacked source code but okay yeah um it's funny because i saw a discussion on reddit about whether or not you think pokevision is cheating and pokevision you tell the web app where you are and it shows you all the pokemon around you and in just tremendous 
karmic retribution. The two Pokemon I tried to get with, uh, actually three Pokemon I tried to get with PokeVision have all run away from me. Huh. Yeah, I've used it three times on a Hitmonchan, a Graveler, and a Ghastly because, my God, the the ghost types are really underutilized, especially with the number of drowsies here, and every single gym will have at not every single gym, the really good gyms, not so much, but a lot of gyms will have a hypno. You can take yeah, a level on. 400, like I think mine's 492 hit or uh, haunter against a level 900 hypno and get at least halfway through them. If you're using lick. <laughs> so such a powerful attack. <laughs> It actually is. It's super effective. You have the same type attack bonus, the stab. And so before before moving on with the PokeVision, let's be clear that the way this web app works is it not only tells you where they are, but literally exactly where they are. Not just there's one kind of around over here. It gives exact locations as well as the amount of time left before they disappear. I thought that was implied with the fact that it was overlaid on a map. But yes, Mike. Well, for for people who haven't seen it, it's, okay. it's map markers of the Pokemon yeah. where they are. Oh, and the the actual worst part was I was with Kaya and she wasn't using it. And I said, come on, we're going this way right now. And so we go and, you know, we're wandering. We finally find it. It pops up. I try and catch it. And it's like level 300. It's not very good, but I need the candies. Mm-hmm. So I try and catch it. I was level 19, so it was Raspberry Great Ball, Raspberry Great Ball, and it runs away. And then Kaya catches it and go goes, oh, wow, this one's really good. It's like level 600. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wait, so what level is she? Uh, She's 18. Okay. So it was the same Ghastly, though? Graveler. Yeah. Oh, gra- oh sorry. I thought you were talking about the Ghastly still. So, okay. So it's the same Graveler, but hers was a different level for her? Yes. If you, oh. you might not have this experience, but Kai and I go for Poke Walks a lot, which has been kind of nice, actually, as mm-hmm. a couple's activity. It Pokemon, yeah. it works surprisingly well. Um, the level appears to be randomly generated. Okay. I've seen it show up the exact same, and I've seen it show up drastically different. I don't, I don't know. Cause Rob, the last time we talked, you were under the impression it was the same. Yeah, because that's, of that's, your experience with Keegan. In a lot of cases, I have seen it be exactly the same. But in right. some cases, like someone gets something in the hundreds, like almost a thousand, and someone else will get like fourteen. Yeah, like it's like, either the same or very different. Like on Facebook, I've seen people catch like level fourteen Jolteons. Mm-hmm. Like so that that can only be wow. random. Yeah, yeah, that that's not something that you just naturally expect. Yeah, so. Interesting. Yeah, I need one more, one more ghastly to evolve my haunter. We actually went to a gym the other day that had a Gengar there, and my God, like, no matter what I threw at this thing, it was just going down. I, I had stuff like a couple hundred CP levels higher, and still just couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like I said. We'll we'll save the 
any discussion we have and we have one thing we want to talk about but we'll save it to the end of the show um i'm also a level 20 just got there a couple days ago loving it very easy to catch pokemon not how far into level 20 are you i'm like 20 percent of the way through oh i might have caught you rob i you do have me because you live downtown i live nowhere near anything oh that was gonna be my other thing (laughs) in in talk of strategy hey mike don't you hate it when you keep swiping the Pokestops and it keeps telling you your bag is full and you're like, oh, I guess I have to throw away some of these Pokeballs and potions. I actually do oh. hate that when I'm downtown, but I haven't been downtown in like a week. So I'm running. I have two Pokeballs left and then I have 15 or so Great Balls and that's it. Oh, man. But. Sure sucks. Do you want me to tell you about what items I have? <laughs> no, nobody wants to hear you. I've been starting to throw away the potions, though, and the yeah, super yeah. potions, because I now have 77 hyper potions, and I'm just not yeah. going through them. Yeah. And they're also super convenient, because you heal whatever in just one spray. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So, we'll leave Pokemon behind for now. Push it out of your memories. Leave the app open so the GPS uh, instability Wonders. will give you some distance. <laughs> oh, um, Yeah. And I'm not just talking to you two. I'm talking to everyone listening. You can put it away for now. We'll come back to it. Uh, okay. Right now, I'm at, on my eggs. I'm 3.8 kilometers, 1.3 kilometers, and 1.6 kilometers. We will check at the end of the show. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, the last piece of follow-up we have, because this has already gone on half of the thing. Uh, I wanted to talk about Falcon Heavy. We We will leave behind the news that Falcon... Uh, SpaceX landed another Falcon 9 last weekend. Um, awesome, by the way. Uh, no issues. It was on land, so it was like very, very easy. But um, what is Elon Mu- Elon Musk up to this week? <laughs> this, to be fair, this isn't even Elon Musk corner. This is like the least Elon Musky part of of um, what Elon Musk is up to. But oh my, uh, he he put out a couple tweets. So people who are familiar with SpaceX may know that. There, yes, there's Falcon 9, the rocket they've been using for the last couple of years, but they're also developing Falcon Heavy, which is their distance slash high speed rocket. And this is the one that's eventually going to be used for a, a potential Mars mission. And basically it has two or it has one giant rocket in the middle and then two smaller rockets flanking, similar to what the space shuttle looked like. I believe the space shuttle launcher, it had three bodies it had two smaller ones that then kind of jettisoned off early and we've learned this week that the falcon heavy they're going to attempt to they're going to build two new landing pads at the space center so there will be three in total and when they do launch falcon heavy the goal is going to be to land all three of those rockets nearly simultaneously two of them will be simultaneous the two smaller ones and I'm just so excited for the visual because hopefully they'll they'll have a helicopter at a far enough distance. I want to see the visual with three rockets all coming down and landing in the same space, like it almost in the same shot. Like I do, I just want to see that so badly, and I am very excited. Falcon Heavy is supposed to be launching for the first time, I believe, this fall. There's a scheduled launch, and I am extremely excited. Did you guys have any thoughts on this or is SpaceX completely boring you now? Boring. It was always boring. (laughs) I'm happy about what they're doing, but the minutia is just, I don't care. (laughs) Interesting. 
I, I think the visual of the three rockets landing will be kind of as close as you get to that feeling of like an alien colonization mm-hmm. on Earth. Like if you just had a whole civilization come and descend yeah. upon us, that that it'd be a similar effect, but obviously scaled up. But I think what if we are the aliens? What if we are the species that's invading? Like the bacteria of Earth? No, I mean like what if like you see that you say that's the visual. What if what if whatever comes back on those rockets is the aliens? Did comes we even back think on about them? this? <laughs> I don't what do you mean comes back on them? I don't understand what you're trying to we get. We send at. them out to space and then they come yeah. back and there's aliens. What if we are the aliens? What if humans are the aliens? We're not. Because it's okay. our home. We're, we're here already. Fine. Sorry. Appreciate the, the thought exercise. The, the other part of this. I uh, don't feel like you do, given your reaction, Mike. <laughs> I appreciate the effort of the thought exercise. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, um, the other part of this is something that I've long been thinking about is that SpaceX is, they're bringing back the first stage booster, but they're not able to so far bring back the second stage booster. And so when Elon Musk was tweeting about this, he was also saying we're looking into the possibility with Falcon Heavy of having the second stage booster also come back because the Falcon Heavy is so powerful. It can actually get fuel up there, extra fuel up there for the second stage. So you would not only have the three primary rockets landing back down, but you could theoretically, they're theoretically working on having the second stage booster, the one that actually goes and helps it get into a faster orbit, also bringing that back. And that would again substantially cut down the amount of cost in if you're able to recycle these these boosters um although he did say he it was kind of a theoretical thing he's like we're thinking about bringing back the second stage booster but we could also be focusing those research efforts on the mars uh rocket and so i don't know which i'm more interested in them doing because bringing back a second stage booster has never even been attempted never even really been conceived of until this other than maybe science fiction but being able to get to Mars with or without people, like on a on a mission where you actually have a substantial load, uh, would be really really cool. And Falcon Heavy is is capable of doing that. I'm pumped. You know what I find interesting, and I just thought about this: that it's so expensive to be having to make new boosters or rockets every time that it's still worth their time to put R and D and carry extra fuel to bring the boosters back Yeah, than it would be to just make new boosters every time. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, and and to crazy. have the people like doing the R and M on these boosters to bring them back to operating capability versus just building new ones. It's yeah. I don't know. Did, Space travel seems expensive. Yeah. Did, did you guys, th- this brings to mind a, a video that came out this week. Did you guys, do you guys follow minute physics at all? Do I watch it every once in a while, but follow, I don't yeah. follow it. Okay. He put out a video talking about how, how you'd be able to send a probe to the sun and how it's actually more challenging to do it from closer in the solar system. Like to send a probe from this to the sun from Mercury is vastly more difficult than it is from Pluto because you have so much more orbital momentum at Mercury. And so you basically, if we want to send a probe to the sun, we send it to Jupiter because that's easy and relatively cheap and then drop it down from there. Just because you're, it gives you a chance to, as opposed to um, getting a, a gravity assist to speed up a booster to get to the outer solar system, you actually use a gravity assist to dump some momentum by going mm-hmm. to Jupiter and then slow down the momentum of the whatever the probe you're sending and then drop it 
effectively straight down, hopefully. But uh, yeah, they were saying it's it's very easy to to do from as far out in the solar system as possible, but very difficult to do inside. And that that makes me think again about how space travel is like weird and backwards in some ways like that. Doesn't that just depend on what incident angle you want to hit the sun at? No, because it's such a small target compared to the distance involved of getting there. Like it's very easy to just swing. You could swing around it in a tight orbit. Right. But to actually hit it, you can't just like, you can't just get in a spaceship pointed at the sun and go because it'll take you forever to get there because you're constantly fighting. Oh, okay. You'd have to, like, we're, we're orbiting the sun at a super fast speed. You'd have to lose all of that momentum in order to actually get to the sun. Otherwise, you'll just keep orbiting around it. It's a very interesting video and I'll find a link and put it in. It's only like the best favorite. My favorite thing about minute, minute physics is like two minute videos. So you can just watch all of them. I love it. Should be called two minute physics. Uh, Stop being so prescriptivist. (laughs) There's, there's a a genre called five second films Mm. and they have, about a second and a half of intro and a second and a half of outro. So the actual <laughs> video ends up being eight seconds for five second films. And they actually have a thing in their frequently asked questions where they address, you know, Hey, why do you call it five second films? If your films are eight seconds, they said, well, we imagine you're the type of person that's not very much fun at parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a fair point so yeah that's uh that's it for spacex I, i'll put a link to that video it's, it's a very cool video i would suggest that since you guys obviously don't subscribe to Minifysics, you, you should definitely watch that video. i subscribe i just don't follow them like i i don't keep up with their videos interesting but i would recommend I, you check youtube more often and then when a video does come out you watch but it. see i when i check youtube i have to catch up on the, the other stuff like number file CGP. Yeah. Well, it's CGP I would watch right away, but yeah, because you have to. But. All right. So this piece of news came out this week, and it was so highly anticipated, and it was so big that I sent you guys a message saying we should have an emergency meeting about this, which didn't happen. But that's fine. <laughs> Did I, you? Because I don't late. remember that happening. It was very late. Um, so. About 10 years ago, Elon Musk released his master plan, which involved the Tesla Roadster, the Tesla uh, Model S, the Model X technically came in later, and then the Model 3, which at that point were unnamed. They were just, he was just talking about volumes and prices of cars. And this week he released a second master plan that he's been hyping up and talking about for the last couple of months. And it's kind of the next 10 to 15 to 20 years of of his plans for Tesla and for solar city now. And I don't know, I I'm curious on your preliminary thoughts before I talk about all the cool things. Um, maybe, I don't know. Do you want me, do you want me to describe what was actually in the plan or did, did everyone on earth already read this? I have not read it. I'm reading it now. Give us okay. the Coles notes, Rob. So there's a few pretty big things here that, are worth kind of talking about basically what he wants to do is make all of Tesla's vehicles solar powered, whether that is through solar panels on a house and like solar generated electricity, whether that is on solar panels on the actual vehicles themselves. Uh, He mentions not only cars, not only mass transport uh, through cars, but 
coming up with public transportation and coming up with uh, infra- uh, transportation infrastructure like like trucks that are solar powered and powered by EV. Uh, I just think this plan is so obvious in its in the way it goes about things, just like the first master plan was to eventually get to the Model Three, which is like a thirty thousand dollar electric car, and yet it's so huge in scope that it's still impressive. And the other thing, like he's taught, he talks of course about autopilot and addresses some of the, the issues that they've had in the news recently and how really um, it's, it's, it's fine. Like it's much better than human driven cars. And so that that's not really a problem. Uh, he describes the beta tag for autopilot and talking about how it's not, it's not beta software in the traditional sense where you're kind of kicking the tires of something, ha ha ha. Um, but how this is really just trying to push technology forward because they need millions of miles driven to, to teach autopilot. And I think one of the most interesting things to me, and this, this is probably the most contentious thing because uh, people don't necessarily want to share cars right now, so it would take kind of a paradigm shift of thought. But having a, th- a thing become where when every when cars are self-driving, when Tesla specifically are self-driving, you could theoretically almost Airbnb your Tesla and put it on a Tesla network where anyone could summon, a, you could summon any Tesla to you through this network, through anyone's ownership. Much and like you, Uber. Kind of like Uber in that. Or ex- car to go in, maybe. Yeah. Instead of driving your car instead of like having a driver for your car you would just hit a button and it would go into the sharing network and and well you while you're not using your car right. you would be able to make money off of it being used by other tesla owners and right. the, but at that point the car would have to basically drive itself and there's a whole bunch of things that would have to go into that like insurance and and being able to get your car repaired if it somehow gets into an accident like there, there's a lot of issues there but talking about how being able to to like rent out your car or have other people be able to use it while you're not using it is a very intriguing idea for somebody who like me who uses public transit a lot and use it like likes the concept of Uber like taking that one step further seems really interesting to me. So there, there's a lot in here, but um, so I'll, I'll summarize the or I'll just give you the the TLDR that he put in at the end of this master plan. So solar panels on the roofs of vehicles to integrate with that are integrated with battery storage um an electric vehicle product line to address major segments that is like trucks on the highway doing deliveries uh doing like nationwide transport and public transit um self-driving capability that's 10 times safer than regular human drivers uh via fleet learning and then letting your car make money for you while you aren't using it by leasing it out or sharing with other people on the network all very interesting. So I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts? It's going to be interesting to see the auto mechanic repair market change with this because right now every auto shop you bring in someone that is trained, say on Ford, mm-hmm. that you can probably fairly easily adapt to a Toyota, to a Honda, whatever. Like obviously, there's going to be nuances and, and differences in how they're built, but you know, a combustion engine is a combustion engine kind of thing, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, or suspension to suspension and, and whatnot. I'm sure Tesla, I, I'm not a car guy or anything, but I can imagine Tesla is substantially different just by the fact that it doesn't have a combustion engine the same yeah. way. 
um, you know, suspension and, and under the car. I don't know how that differs, but again, it's, it's probably different enough that you couldn't just put anyone on there and they'd know how to fix it. Um, not to mention, I believe Tesla has their own specific licensing or accreditation, like that you're only allowed specific trained people to operate on Tesla's. Right. Um, so if they're going to get into like the large scale market, not only with consumers, but with business, with logistics and that kind of thing that like the biggest expense with trucking is repair and maintenance. So right. you, you need people trained in that. So this is, you know, to go political, it's very high in job creation. I think if this is kind of the route they're going. So it's, it's nice to see that, you know, that there's a, an upside to his, his master plan mm-hmm. a- aside from the, environmental benefits and, and such that it it, it kind of opens up this whole additional market for the auto industry that is arguably it's, it's a bit better now but it, it saw its low time yes. not too long ago so nick did you have any thoughts i'm so very pessimi- pessimistic on the solar panels okay it sounds like a great idea it's just yeah it's very region specific for how successful it's going to be, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Like I could see this doing so well in Southern California, mm-hmm. or Arizona. parking it outside. But yeah, Calgary, Edmonton, high level, not so much. <laughs> high level, right? <laughs> well, honestly, like if you're doing this thing in high level, high level Alberta, Google it. Mm-hmm. It is obvious when you see it why it's called high level. <laughs> uh. I don't know, I just don't see it being as uh as successful. Oh, that actually brings us into a story I wanted to talk about, but I don't think I put it into the notes. I would say you almost definitely didn't. I, I like the ride sharing aspect. That's that's interesting to me. Yeah. I, I like the idea of saying, I'm gonna be home all day, so or even half the day. So my car is available between noon and five, and if someone needs to use it go ahead and i can imagine that in their system they'd build in you know a trip planning thing so if someone wants to order a tesla they say okay where are you going to mm-hmm. and then it can find a tesla that is available to be back to its owner by a specified time right because i'm thinking like okay i'm not using it now but if i plan on needing it in two hours how can i guarantee that i will have it back by the time i need yeah. to use it again so i i can i think that they'd have that incorporated into the system yeah. I would imagine there would be a lot of, there's a lot of things like that. Like you'd probably not be able to leave city limits. Right. You could, or at least you could set it up that way because of like, you wouldn't want to rent out your car if you were going to need it in six hours and you, you wouldn't want someone driving it for hundreds of miles and then having no battery. Yeah. In right. six hours. So there'd have to be restrictions on that. Like there, there are all kinds of yeah. things to think about, but they're not unsolvable problems. I, I was just thinking now too that you almost need to make it. I'd, I'd say that it'd only be between Tesla owners, but that wouldn't really make sense. But I, you you need something like that though. There has to be some high barrier to entry so that not just anyone could just order a Tesla and ride around in it for free. I like think it fun. would have to be wrecking Tesla owners. What's that? I was going to say my concern would be wrecking your car because yeah. they say they that's want, what I mean. They want you to be able to make money from your car so i assume people are paying for it right but that's what i mean like another tesla owner would understand and appreciate and that there'd be almost like a accountability because right. if they're loaning someone else's car 
they're participating in the program too. You're, you're doing it for each other. Kind of yeah. Thing, right. Yeah. I, there are problems with that, but in theory, most of them could kind of be solved. I think it would be more like, uh, what would you do? It, it would, it wouldn't be like a pay per use type of thing, like Uber necessarily in that the money would go from the person who's using the Tesla to the person who owns the, that original Tesla. It would be more like if your car is on the fleet for five hours, you'd get X amount of credit. Whether it's used or not. Yeah. And mm. while, yeah, while it's on the fleet, it would make money. And then while you're using another Tesla, you'd get debit deducted for the amount you're driving it. Like it, it wouldn't oh, make sense. Okay. Kind of. It, yeah. There's a thing that's like babysitting sharing. That's a similar concept between parents. Right. So like it's basically you just swap babysitting. So you don't pay each other. You just take turns babysitting for each right. other. So, and you bank hours. So say I babysit three hours. So, and within that community of babysitting sharing, you'd have three hours credit to use right. bet- with anyone in there, whether it was that person that did it for you or not. Yeah. It's just, there's 10 members. You use that three hours between the 10 members, regardless of who you've actually babysitted for. Yeah. So yeah, same kind of idea. Yeah. Did you ever hear about the study they did with a babysitting sharing thing where there was no inflation? No. Oh, it was, yeah, no, it was interesting. Um, trying to find it here. It was was like what you're saying, a babysitting cooperative, but you'd get chits every time you babysat. And Mm -hmm. so for a while they just released an extra amount of chit every once in a while. And then they stopped the inflation and all of a sudden everyone just went nuts and started hoarding it. And it completely destroyed the purpose of the babysitting co-op. Right. What do you mean they stopped the inflation? So they would just send you new chit every once in a while. Oh, okay. So there would be a built-in inflation rate, and then they stopped the inflation rate once they assumed that, you know, things would be going well. And people would have weeks of babysitting chit saved up, but nobody would spend it because they could (laughs) see that there was no new stuff coming in. And this was like, this was a university group. Like, these were university professors that were in the co-op. Weird. Yeah. Human behavior. (laughs) Ruining systems. It's it's weird, right? (laughs) When it's like a small scale macroeconomics. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's crazy. It's it's almost like, that's how like a, like a national currency would work. That would like raise, I guess that'd be increasing interest rates almost like printing. Kind of, yeah. Or printing, printing less money, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And controlling inflation that way and you just start hoarding it. Bizarre. Crazy. Yeah, like they, apparently they're the Mises, Mies Institute relates it to depression economics Hmm. because all of a sudden nobody wants to spend money because they're not sure they're going to be able to get money later. But if nobody spends the money, then right. Nobody's going to make money. And you know, the spiral continues. (laughs) Welcome to Calgary. (laughs) (laughs) But see, at least with Calgary, you have governments able to inject into infrastructure. Well, yeah. Yeah invigorate the economy Hmm. would we be able to have a brief discussion on the tesla in northwest territories 
Sure. What does that even mean? Is it, is it a discussion or is Link it is like in, just mentioning it? Link is in the chat. I thought it was really cool. So I wanted to hear okay. your thoughts on it. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, a, hay, a man from Hay River Northwest Territories buys an electric car, a Tesla, and he calls it the Polar Express. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so there's, there's obviously more to it. Apparently, there's they were talking about it, and there's even... He's gotten a uh, a hotel like on the way of one of his commutes to install a Tesla supercharger station. Oh, wow. Because... Mm-hmm. The hotel's like, yeah, well, maybe more people will buy Teslas and more people will come here. This could be great. Mm. It it seems really great that, um, like, there's not a lot of people up there, so you can use autopilot pretty much anywhere you want. That's how it seems. <laughs> I've never been to Northwest Territories or really above the 60th at all. Uh, maybe not even north of Edmonton, but... <laughs> It seems like there's less people up there. That's for when I look at population density maps, it seems like it's very low above. Yes, even that is Stay correct. Edmonton. Yeah. The the density is significantly lower because why in God's name would you live in such a place? Exactly. Well, it, you know, why Mike, why? <laughs> Cause someone's got to, that's why yeah. there's money up there. This one's actually not even that far North. It's like just over the, the parallel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just over the tree line. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm serious it's it's not that far north it's there is a lot further north you could go theoretically someone's jaded it's and water have, now and but, have gone but yeah yeah it's water now <laughs> it is water now most of it now as in seasonally or now as in now as in global warming has taken over <laughs> i see yes they're all melted yeah all the ice caps just gone <laughs> So what did you want to say about this? You just wanted to point out that this exists. I thought it was really cool. And this guy seems to be pioneering a a network of power generation in the far north. Yeah. It was the solar panels in high level that made me think about it. Right. Because. That, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if all of a sudden Northwest Territories just became a hotspot for Tesla? <laughs> I can't imagine that. I. Oh have no idea what they do for power generation up there. Oh, I think it's I was going to say, yeah. I wonder how much electricity is there. They have... Apparently, high, Hay River is uh, hydroelectric, which makes a lot of sense if you look at a map. Right. And his name. Mm. Right. <laughs> you burn hay for electricity? <laughs> river, Rob. Well, okay, there are so many places called River. <laughs> That's hardly the unique part of its name. I didn't say it was unique. I just said it... Kind of highlights what might be yeah, a useful it, resource. No, it's true. There, in, there's a quote here. It. There's a quote here. If you do get stuck, all you need is an outlet with power and what town doesn't have power. And I think that that statement is a lot more falsifiable up north than it would be closer to the Canada-US border where population Well, well no, because all towns hashtag, have power. Hashtag first world privilege. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like all towns have power. It's just whether or not Jeez, you can Donna, actually get to that next what town. What village over. doesn't have electricity? <laughs> Even there, they're, they're working well, on like wind power to, to generate it. Ghana is not a good example. But. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely first world privilege problems. Oh, it's the best Western hotel in high level. Yeah. Huh. High level or high river? Now I'm confused. Hay river. Hay river. Hay ri- high Wait. level. But he commutes through high level. And oh, so he's getting okay. high, he's getting the best western and high level 
to put in a charging station. So it's not Hay River that's generating the electricity for... Well, it is when he's charging his car overnight. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this could be a fun article and... (laughs) We're just getting confused. No, it is a fun article. You're just going straight up pigeon on a statue with this story, Mike. (laughs) Well, to be fair here, Nick, he's looking, this guy, there's a quote here from this guy, James Locke. He's looking into getting a solar array put on his house so he could charge through the sun. And he's way up in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's like, good luck with that. I was going to say, he also hasn't done his research. Just just put up a vertical axis wind turbine. They're great. I honestly don't know why we don't use them more. And I'm not an engineer. I'm no scientist, (laughs) but I'm no engineer, but it just seems like vertical axis wind turbines would be so much better. What is a vertical axis wind turbine compared to just a regular wind turbine? So the axis of rotation is vertical. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Tips. <laughs> How about that? No, no but uh, see, <laughs> Please continue. Oh, I'm in a mood. Um, so they have had some examples at the Science and Tech Museum. So the normal wind turbines that you see generating power, especially if you're going on the 401 down in southwestern Ontario, there's a stretch of like 50 kilometers where all you see is wind turbines. Mm-hmm. I think it's the biggest farm in Ontario. Going onward, those are horizontal axis because the axis of rotation is horizontal. It's parallel with the ground. Sure. So vertical axis wind turbines, the ones I've seen anyway, uh, the big ones I've seen at national or the science and tech museum now defunct. Mm -hmm. Uh, it has like, it's the same shape as an airline wing, but it's curved and it goes the whole length of the vertical axis. Okay. And it's like 20 meters high, 10. 20 something like that okay but so that way it doesn't matter what and it has three blades and so it doesn't matter what direction the wind is blowing from you can always generate power but could don't they have wind turbines where the head rotates to face the wind i have no idea how that works okay. i think they i think that's the thing but I'm, I'm still confused i'll have to go look it up i'm still confused about how that would be different from v-a-w-t is the industry used acronym. Okay. Ooh, some of these look really cool. <laughs> oh, that is not what I was expecting at all. Those kind of look like cell phone towers. Maybe some of them just are cell phone towers. Well, consider they're probably in motion and that's a still photo. Well, you know, I just mean like the yeah, the I, design with... It, it looks like a cell phone tower. The first, when you Google image search VAWT, the first does, image yes. looks like a cell phone tower. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking right now, just off the top of my head, these could if we made cell phone towers into these, you could generate power through that. There was actually a project in the United Kingdom, I think, maybe Vancouver, to put vertical axis wind turbines on top of all the houses. Mm-hmm. But the 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 energy returned on energy invested just wasn't there. Right. So they killed the project because you would have spent all this energy making the turbines and never made it back. Yeah. Which unfortunate, but I completely get that it wouldn't. Also, people would complain about noise pollution and getting sick from wind turbines. Yeah. If you're doing it in densely populated areas. <laughs> yep. There's uh although if you're a hobbyist and you have a fan that you don't want anymore, you can take the fan and turn that into a wind turbine vertical axis okay. or otherwise. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So that being said, do we want to do we want to go to follow up slash Pokemon improvements? Gotta go to the after show. <laughs> We're right, gonna I'll, talk all about Pokemon. I'll uh, I'll say for this week, thanks again for listening to this episode of Future Chat. And you can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat to see past episodes of the show and to find out how to subscribe or follow us individually. I'll see you next week. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Okay. So, Mike, you spearheaded this initiative. Yes. You wanted us to go through and give a few thoughts as to what could be improved or changed or ameliorated or embedded about the Pokemon Go app experience and the game itself. Could I yes. could I briefly jump in and ruin the segue just no. for a moment? I don't, Rob, I don't think there t- was a segue there. Every time we every time we start the after show, you always start with, okay, like the pressure's yeah. off. It is off. Do you think people just tune out for the after show if they've gotten this far? I don't. They may, ass- but I don't think so. I'm assuming they've taken their pants off because that's I think what if I you- do when we get to the after show. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell people, go get your phones again, open the Pokemon app, and, and let's talk. Oh, my God. My <laughs> screen turned off. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, man. Mine, fortunately, has been going this entire time. Just in playing, there's a lot of aspects that I either expected from the game that haven't been there or that I'm waiting for the game to incorporate in. Mm -hmm. And there's overlap in those areas. Um, There's even been rumor of specific functionality or features that are supposed to be released at some point. Okay. With no specific date set. Um, but yeah, I was, I was more curious because we've, we've talked in our own Slack channel about how we're finding the game and what we want out of it. So I thought it was interesting to kind of formally lay those out yeah, and, and talk about them and see how much agreement or disagreement there is between us mm-hmm. with that. Um, I was thinking top five, but that might be a bit too much because I think we're all going to kind of say more or less the same points. Probably. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe we maybe we can at least start with the one thing we want to see in the future from it and we can try to be different if one of us has already mentioned it yeah um so Rob, Rob, why don't you go first and and see what your biggest desire is from the game in in a going yeah. forward sense i think my biggest desire from the game is to have it not I don't think it should be completely useless to be stationary. And so that's really more of an algorithm tweak than anything else. So I think that if I'm just sitting here at home and I don't live downtown or in a populated area, there's no Pokestop nearby. That's your the app fault, is basically Rob. That was sorry? your choice. <laughs> oh, I, if I had this, known this, this game was going to be released, sub- suburbia. I would not have moved here if I had known that. <laughs> you had Ingress. You had access to Ingress. You should have known. Ingress had has more portals than Pokemon has Pokestops and gyms. It's not that big a difference. It's big enough in a rural area where you're expecting more. I mean, Anyways. within 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 the walk from here to one block south, mm-hmm. there were three portals, and now there are two. Is it right? It's not that big a difference, is it? So I have 
if I look at just one block around me, the one that was there is still there. But if I expand to about, say, 500 meters around me, it went from probably being about 20 to 25 portals down to about four Pokestops. And so for me, I would like, like when I first opened the app at home, there were two Pokemon there. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to be able to catch Pokemon at home and and I won't have to necessarily go out for a walk. But now, like I can keep the app open all the time. And like I maybe get one Weedle a week that's like at home. There, yeah. There's nothing here. Can I say something on that? Because mm-hmm. I find when I'm at work, like there are Pokestops all around me at work and there's one right outside my work I can access. Um, yeah. But even if I leave the app open, there still aren't many spawning spontaneously. However, when I open the app, there's often at least one, if not two, that come within the first 10 minutes of it being open, if not okay. immediately, and then nothing. Right. But then when I close the app and then reopen it, sure enough, almost immediately, if not within the first five minutes, one or two spawn. So huh. I find, I think as you close and then reopen the app, it almost refreshes Maybe. and says, yeah. hey, you've arrived in the spot. Here's some Pokemon for you. But if you don't move, then they won't give you any more. That's right. what I found anyway. On, mm. As far as okay. staying in one place goes. I, I've tried that and it hasn't been successful for me so far, but I'll, I'll keep yeah. trying it. Okay. So you're, you're, you want there to be more functionality more functionality or just more lenient just, towards staying still? I think the algorithm could be tweaked more to f- to correct the imbalance of experiences of people living downtown or in a populated spot with a bunch of landmarks versus people who live further from those downtown cores where things are more sparse. Right. I think that if you're, even if people from downtown are visiting uh, a more suburban area, then you could you should be able to not be completely getting nothing hmm. that, or maybe and you chose your as a minor thing and deserve your suffering rob yeah that's another option <laughs> i'm gonna because the steve dangle podcast which does discuss pokemon a lot uh they talked about this and two of the co-hosts live in downtown toronto mm-hmm. so one of them lives like right across the street from a gym they can get to it from their living room Okay. And the one chose to live in Oshawa when they work in downtown Toronto. Are either of you familiar with how long that takes? No. Or Toronto traffic in general? No. Okay. He's he's looking at an appreciable commute. I think it's okay. about an hour, especially in traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They told him that he chose his fate and he has to live with it now. He's the only one of them that spent actual real money on Pokemon Go. Right. Just, okay. I'm just noticing a parallel here. Sure. Okay. Mike, what, so, what do you have? I I would like to see more. I, I kind of have two. So I'll okay. pick one for now. And I'll say the second one later. Possibly. Yeah. I'd like a way to train your Pokemon outside of just like finding more of them and giving them candy. Because yeah. even even when you fight in gyms, the, the specific Pokemon don't gain anything like they don't level up they don't you don't get more stardust you don't get more candies it's just you get xp but there's nothing there's no incentive to use specific pokemon or to work on a weaker pokemon to make them stronger or anything like that outside of just catching more of them and leveling them up and i think that's a 
very hot, like big shortcoming of the game because that that was half, if not most, of the appeal of the original video game was the journey of you know kind of training specific Pokemon and mm-hmm. like you know Nick, you were saying this about having a starter and it, you know eventually you realized it too, but like there is no no significance to your starting Pokemon outside of nostalgia. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, I have this now, and the only Bulbasaur I've ever seen got away. <laughs> Granted, if I had a Squirtle, I would be further ahead. Well, that's the thing. So I picked a Squirtle. Mm-hmm. His current com- uh, combat points is 13, and I've caught like a 200 and some Squirtle. So I renamed my starter so that, you know, he was at least semi-special. But sure. if, if I hadn't, if I he wasn't my starter, I would have traded him for candy already, because... I traded him for my candy for candy almost immediately. <gasps> okay, I have a th- so 320 CP portal. It was very easy. So, so here's been, this has been part of my strategy. There, it appears there are individual values in the game, as with some of the later Pokemon games that I never played. But it appears that your starter is a better Pokemon than almost any other Pokemon you will catch. Mm-hmm. That's a there's also there appears to be a hierarchy in which lured Pokemon are not as good as caught Pokemon, and these are averages, obviously. Sure. And caught Pokemon aren't as good as evolved Pokemon, like Pokemon you've evolved yourself. Okay. And evolved Pokemon are not as good as hatched and evolved Pokemon. Hmm. And it appears And this is in size or just CP? Like is this size fighting stats no no all the, of it, these are these are maximum potentials right yeah so like you know the little like like yeah, yeah hemisphere arc. behind mm-hmm. each pokemon yeah yeah and the combat points will be it's somewhere along that line yeah you could catch uh i don't know what is like a 100 cp yeah hypothetical rattata maybe and it's halfway along its curve exactly yep. half and then you could catch 150 that's right at its maximum yeah so the 150 will be better in battle than the 100 right now but the 100 could be leveled up to the point where it's better yeah and so right. i've actually taken to favoriting all my hatched pokemon because just on the calculators available online they most often anyway they seem to have much higher potentials than anything i'm catching okay and so my guess would be that your starting Pokemon and the calculators seem to support this thus far anyway. It appears that the ones you're given to start with have a higher upside to them. Okay. It also makes me really want to... Ton, you need a crap ton more candies to get them up to that potential though. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, this game is going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Like this game will be around in one or two years. Right. I'm almost certain. At the rate but, you're going with how many Bulbasaur's you're finding, though, I, I can't imagine you'll get anywhere near that. On that note, Mike, would you <laughs> like to go to Nose Hill Park today? Today? You, yeah, let's just just come downtown. We'll go to a nice grassy park away from the water, <laughs> and we'll try and catch some catch some Bulbasaur. I would be what okay with that. I've I've caught Squirtles in the middle of downtown, nowhere near water. As Nowhere near water, Mike? Near, relatively speaking. I could be a lot nearer water. Yeah, look at that. 
Rob, that's are beautiful. we? So are we just? Look, look at that beautiful Bulbasaur. We're off air, right? We're. Can no, I? Can I swear? Air. Is that something I can do right now? Yeah, go for it. Go f- yourself, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I caught it. I mean, it's it happens. I thought you hatched it. I don't remember anymore. That, you hatched that. Is that. Beautiful, Nick. So, what are your stats on on that thing? Uh, CP fourteen, HP ten of ten, <laughs> and the power up is two hundred Stardust. I currently have eighty five thousand Stardust. Yeah, and I agreed that. I agreed long ago that all my stardust would be pumped into this Bulbasaur at some right. point. So, Nick, what at what point along the semicircle is that Bulbasaur? Right at the base. Right at the base. Okay. Although someone, it appears someone, I think they hatched it, but they might have caught it. They got a perfect Charmander. Wow. Yeah. And it, like it, was- appe- it also appears that the individual values carry on with evolution. Yeah. The moveset won't necessarily, because... Every time you evolve, it's a new roll of the dice to see what moveset it will have. Yeah. But yeah, so it appears that hatching eggs and then carrying on from there is the best strategy for combat-ready Pokemon. Right. Like my Onyx, which is a very good example of an Onyx, but still a terrible Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nick, what do, what do you want to see out of the game? What's your top top thing? My top thing? Oh, that's hard. Because <laughs> uh, obviously my top thing would be a- being able to level up my Bulbasaur somehow. Get a 2k egg that isn't a Weedle well, for once, maybe. <laughs> Is that not um, similar to me wanting just ways to train your Pokemon? Yeah, so yeah. that's, like, obviously that's the number one thing I would like. Yeah. So I'll say the number two thing I want. If you yourself are responsible for taking down a gym, you should be able to... Just assign a Pokemon to that gym that gets automatically healed right there instead of someone else yeah. sniping the gym from you mm-hmm. while you're reviving and then healing your Pokemon. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Assuming you have those items. Well, I was saying just because you won, the bonus is you get a free heal for your Pokemon because you're going to have to heal it once it comes back right. to you. Right. But yeah, even just automatically heal it with whatever I have in my bag. You can even take some hyper potions. I don't care. Just <laughs> just heal it and put it in the gym. Yeah. Because I think so, I took down a gym a total of like three times the other day. And each time someone from <laughs> Mystic or Valor was around. Actually, there was Nick, also someone from Instinct that sniped it from me. You chose <laughs> you chose your path, Nick. You lived in a populated area. I did. I did, and this is the problem I'm dealing with. Yeah. So, okay, I have a reverse story wherein I was sitting in a gelato shop. I took over a gym. I placed one of my lovely Pokemon there, and the gym was taken over. I had noticed because my the Pokemon I put there was dead, and the gym Fainted. was... Not dead. Sure. The gym was vacated. I managed to snipe back and put another Pokemon in there without having to do any work. And then it also was immediately taken over. And Rob, was- that is worse than using PokeVision. It's not, actually. Isn't it? It's not. PokeVision is a tool. A tool that some people question. The, <laughs> or the morality of which some people question. Right. Rob's just straight up being a dick. How is that... 
I won that gym fair and square. Okay. I can defend it. If I walk past a gym, that's you great. You didn't beat it, though. If you I didn't walk beat past... it when you assigned a Pokemon there. <laughs> if I walk past a gym, that's great. You can bet that I'm taking that gym. Yeah. I don't even care. Mm. So it I seems agree. we have a different set of ethics, gentlemen. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so can I, can I give my next thing yes. that I want? Yes. There's a lollipop sitting next to a baby. <laughs> taking the lollipop. Yeah, the lollipop's up for grabs. Baby doesn't hold on to it right now. Yeah, it might belong to the baby. It might not. But I got a lollipop. Screw the baby. It's all anonymous. Nobody will ever know who I am, except for the, the username. <laughs> the The next thing that I want is to have more opportunity to get candy than from just either hatching an egg with that one Pokemon or catching them. I would like to be able to randomly get candy for Pokemon I have at Pokestops. Like, even if it's just one. I don't oh, want to have to... that would be good. Like, if I'm trying to... For instance, if I'm trying to evolve my Magikarp, which takes 400 candy, I'm going to need to catch so many hundreds of Magikarps. Or just come order. across a Gyarados. I mean, that's much more likely at this point. But I'm never... You're yeah. never going to evolve that. I... Not with that attitude. Yeah. You know what they can have is like a marketplace where you mm-hmm. can trade mm-hmm. candy. Candy so, for candy? Yeah. So it's like, I'll trade you 10 Pidgey candies for one Magikarp candy. That's not a good deal. Well, <laughs> as an example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Right? I don't know how don't many Pidgeys you come across, Rob, but that seems like a pretty solid deal to me. Hundreds of thousands so, of Pidgeys. So, but this how is How much thing, Magikarp because- candy do you have, guys? I have 40 and I hatched an egg. You hatched him. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> so the, the benefit. I of, have sixty-two. Never hatched. Wow. The benefit of being able to trade candy is if you live in an area like with a lot of pidgeys, where someone else lives yeah. in an area with a lot of Magikarps, you just trade. Like versus right. trading Pokemon, it's like I'll trade yeah. you for candies, right? So this. This raises an interesting point that I had thought of. It's not really a thing to address in the game. It's just an open question that I had. If you're going to trade, whether it be candy, whether it be Pokemon, whether it be anything, do you need to be physically close to the person or do you just right. need to ha- know their username? I I don't know what I want and I don't know what, if they're going to do that, what we're going to get. I can't imagine it being very safe to have to be next to the person. Not next to, but like geo close. Like within Ooh. the scan radius. Yeah, within the scan radius. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious because that kind of goes with the whole trading thing where but then it would need to kind of you wouldn't necessarily need to expose the locations of people. Right. You would just say, here's a list of usernames that are nearby. Right. Um, I could see that leading to problems. And so they might just go, you don't need to do it or. uh, Yeah, it's tough because there's privacy issues involved. Yeah. So they might just say, open it up to anything. But they might just say you can't trade. I know there was there have been articles really saying you eventually will be able to trade, but it, that might be too contentious an issue to actually work in reality. It's hard to say. Same with like player to player combat. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how they implement that. You might need to add people to a list of friends, and then it, you can fight your friends or you can trade with your friends. I could that see that be, as being a way. That would really open up the opportunity to just grind out things, though, wouldn't it? Yes. Like you could just make another account and then 
oh look, my starter's going to take down all your pidgeys. Right, Except but the, not you anymore. Theoretically, my... soft ban people for doing that, just like they have been for faking location and that. Yeah, like MMORPGs have been having to control that kind of thing for a long yeah. time. Like you know, World of Warcraft or RuneScape or whatever. Like, yeah, okay. I mean, there there are already people. There are monsters out there in this world right now using Pokemon. They're literally just saving up evolutions to use a lucky egg and just evolve all at once and get double the XP. Like there, there are monsters out there. People will do anything to get ahead in this game. Yeah, or just cheating and using websites <laughs> that show you exactly where Pokemon are. That I, I don't know who would use that, but this or is for being a giant dick. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, I'm not being a dick. I'm just using a tool that's available to me. Mm-hmm. You're an available tool. <laughs> do does anyone have let's do we have one more mike you said you had a second one do you do you have another thing you wanted to mention yeah it was is the player to player interaction okay, okay. like i i feel like the game has a lot of potential to be a lot more social than it already is like it is very social already it's social in a different way yeah but i think yeah. it can be a lot more social in in as far as in-game interaction and that's what yeah. i'd like to see because right now like you meet up with friends you hunt together but yeah. you're still just playing on your own Right? Can I? Well, you are playing on your own, but you also see the same Pokemon. But it's not. You're not interacting in game, though. No. Okay. So, can I tell an anecdote that happened on third Friday? Friday at lunch, Um, I was walking along with one of my colleagues, and we saw a Clefairy, I believe, and it was a pretty powerful one. So we're walking, and we see this guy ahead of us, and he's sitting, standing there, looking at his phone. He's not like aiming his ar anywhere or he's not doing anything crazy he's just standing there looking at his phone and we're walking past him and she my my colleague goes oh yeah there's a clefairy over there he goes oh thanks i already caught it like there's there's no reason to assume he's playing pokemon but she did and he was it's just i love that kind of brief interaction that's like everyone's just having fun oh in the same physical area i got i've yesterday twice people stopped me to ask me about pokemon oh wow there was Kai and I were sitting on a bench in Central Memorial, which was just crawling with people. Yeah. Because there were two lures in close proximity. It was a lot of fun, actually, because there was a gym there, too. And Pokestops on the other side of the park. So you could just kind of walk laps. Pokestops, gym, lures, Pokestops, gym, lures. Mm -hmm. It was nice. Um, But a... Woman walks up and asks, hey, are you guys playing Pokemon? And we go, oh, yeah. She goes, oh, no. <laughs> she goes, my, hus- my husband told me that you guys were all playing Pokemon. And I said, no, they're just on their cell phones. <laughs> now I owe them a drink. <laughs> but, like, they were, it's um. been neat, though, because they'll say, like, so what is it? And so you can show them the game screen and say, well, yeah. here, I'm going to catch a Zubat. And so people are actually inquisitive as to what exactly is going on. I found yeah. that night neat. Yeah. The other thing is with the exception of a few like unpleasant individuals that I've heard about, it's really interesting because usually when you have large crowds, bad things start to happen. Yeah. But it's largely peaceful crowds when you have a bunch of people together playing Pokemon. Yeah. Agreed. And they're, they're very, they're very helpful things like people pointing out, oh, there's something over there. Yeah. Like people, 
when we were at uh, Princess Island Park the other day, like we spotted an aerodactyl, mm-hmm. but people had started shouting, "Guys, there's an aerodactyl over here!" Like, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome because my aerodactyl has been a stud in gym fights. <laughs> that's the one that's gotten away from me so far. Only one's gotten away from you. Only one Pokemon that I've never caught before has escaped me. Oh, it's rough, Rob. That one. My Pokedex has a hole in it with an Aerodactyl-shaped silhouette. Let me see how many Pokedex holes I have. I have two holes. Wait, what? That's only Oh, okay, I have two. Okay, 146 Pokemon otherwise? I have 66. Shadows, yeah. Oh, Shadows. I just... Okay, I see. Um... I, I have a Graveler and a Sea King hole, I think. Yeah. I've got a Kadabra hole and uh, something else. I also have that- four Eevees. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out which one to evolve. Oh, I'm ready now, to evolve an Eevee now. Do the but- do the trick, seriously, because Keegan got three Flareons by not doing the trick. <laughs> oh, I, See, I'm definitely doing... Kai- I got Kaya to do the trick. Yeah. It's- I'm, I- I'm waiting for a strong Eevee, though. Because, like, my strongest EV is only, like, 250 or something. But what are the individual values, Mike? Individual? Remember I, I was know. talking about this as part of my strategy earlier? Where Where do you find those numbers, though? You have to calculate them. I've got a Nidorino hole, too. Ah. Mm. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. So, so how do you, like... That's all just Algorithms? random calculations. Yeah. Like, that's... It's well, not it's not random thing. calculations. Not random, but it's... Not subjective. It's not. It's just. Oh, this looks like it is science. Is it though? (laughs) Yeah, it's math. It's quote unquote science. It's it's stats going on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like, oh, where did I find this? Even I found it on the Self Road subreddit. Okay. Um. Do we have anything else to say on Pokemon? So much or anything. It's probably good for now. Yeah. I'm going to go and try to find this Hitmonchan that's nearby. Good luck. Pro tip, you can use the Ingress app to uh, to find where Pokemon should be. Oh, that's, good. that's a good uh, tip. Because the, the XM fields are based yeah. on uh, cell, cell data usage, and that's yeah. also where Pokemon are more likely to spawn. Good tip. Thank you. Forgot about that. That's argu- arguably less cheating than pokevision but uh a thousand times less if not yeah or work with the three steps thing that isn't even working right now (laughs) apparently that was intentionally disabled yeah yeah was it you that told me that to save servers yeah because of the japan launch yeah well no because of server issues they were having right in general but it was in in anticipation of japan and they're going to re-enable it when france launches apparently okay that's what I heard. Rants. Getting in the way of progress again. Update the Hitmonchan is gone. <laughs> I hatched a horsey and I need I think I need one more horsey to evolve it to a Seedra better than the one I have already. Nope, wow. I need far more. <laughs> 33 candy, 52 evolve. I'm really excited. I hatched a I think I hatched a 517 CP Bell Sprout, and I need one more Bell Sprout to get uh, Weepin Bell. Oh man, which will hopefully be very strong. I had a I had a hatched Bell Sprout that was good. 
It's only a 647 mm-hmm. we- weeping bell. Now I have 21 candy out of the necessary 100. <laughs> um, <sighs> I also have I a 91% that's... per, or a 90 some percent perfect gloom that is sitting here at only 350 CP. So hmm. I'll have to evolve that and see where that gets. I think the benefit of the eggs is the candies that you get with them. Definitely. Yeah. Mike, do you remember pointing out that my EV was only 20 grams? Yes. My Flareon now. Your Flareon, yeah. Um, <laughs> this bell sprout that I have weighs 262 times more than that EV. <laughs> yeah, see, and that's the thing. I, 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 that almost sounds like a glitch that your, your Jolteon is that late. Yeah. It's so, almost like it like cut off some of the numbers in front mm-hmm. and just showed it as 0.02. <laughs> So I've got, uh, oh, we, we have not discussed how far our eggs got. I haven't had mine open the whole time. I did not get far. My eggs are now 4.5 of 5 kilometers, 2 of 5 kilometers, and 2.3 of 5 kilometers. That's not bad. One of us needs to go for a walk. Me too. I need more 2 kilometer eggs though, because I need, well, I want a ghastly and... Need some Bulbasaurs. Guys, am I correct in assuming we're all going to be buying the band once it's available? I'm pretty no. sure, yeah. Why would Rob, I no? That? No. Really? I'm totally going to get it. I might try if there's an Apple Watch accompaniment app, but I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a thing just for Pokemon. But then you don't need to have your phone, fo- like staring at your phone when you're walking. You just go I for a walk. I don't stare at it. I put, I turn the vibrate on and I put it in my pocket upside down. So the I cannot feel off. it in my pocket. Yeah. How are you going to feel it? I That's... either put my hand in my pocket or I'm just yeah. a human being and I feel things. See, I don't want, I don't want to do that. See, I, I, I I've been doing that all week and it's been totally fine. If my I hand's usually, in my pocket, I feel it perfectly. I usually hold it in my hands and listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. and too. potentially yeah. have a battery pack in my pocket with a wire leading out to <laughs> to the phone and the headphones leading to my ears i am a cyborg 